This is the Between You and Me podcast, a production of the KAXE Morning Show. I'm News Director Chelsea Perkins, and I am here today with Tammy Bobrowski. Tammy is a longtime volunteer at KAXE, KBXE, and also produces our What We're Reading programming, which you can hear on the morning show regularly. Hi, Tammy. Hi, Chelsea. So, Tammy... I am trying to get to know everything that we do here at KAXE, KBXE. This is my third month. I'm in my fourth month on the job, so still pretty new around here. But you've been here a lot longer than I have. So (laughs) I've I've always had trouble like remembering when I started because I feel like I've been here for so long in various uh, capacities. So um, it's been an awesome ride, though. I first knew who you were from Twitter. Actually, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were we were Twitter, follow each other on right, Twitter right. long time, mm-hmm. um, and now here we are working together. Yeah, I was so excited <laughs> that you were coming up here. So um, yeah, uh, I think I've been here. Oh, I'm so bad at this. Um, I think I walked in in twenty. I want to say twenty fourteen. 2013, maybe. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is terrible. And um, I came in looking for uh, some something, uh, some volunteer opportunities uh, to help out at the studio once I heard there was one. And and who should I run into but Heidi Holton, who normally wouldn't be here. So that was kind of funny. Um, and we talked. And when she learned that I was a librarian, she got super excited about having me <laughs> volunteer. And I learned she w- used to be a librarian. So... Um, so we hit it off and, and she told me about all the awesome volunteer opportunities and I, and I took it up. So were you a listener before that point? Oh yeah. Um, I think the first, the first memory I have of, of really loving this station is hearing a fundraiser from, uh, way back. And I think it was Maggie Montgomery, Scott Hall, and I'm not sure who else, but the theme of the, that membership drive was, um, naked for some reason. (laughs) They were talking as if they were in the studio naked, and it was obviously you couldn't tell if they were or weren't because it's radio, Um, but I just thought it was really clever and funny, and and so I just kept listening to the station and really grew to appreciate it. Well, you happened to run into the other biggest book nerd on staff when you came in that day, (laughs) so uh, how did it evolve that you ended up hosting the book programming. I know you've been involved with other aspects of mm-hmm. KAXE. You do music programming as well. Right. Um, but tell me about when the books programming started. I think it was when the station was getting into more of the arts and cultural humanities funding. And there was money to come up with some programming, some more local programming. And the book one, Heidi had, of course, done a lot of books, um, book interviews already and they were looking at doing some more of them so so it came up out of out of that time you are a librarian by trade what how did you end up in that in that field was it because of your love of books that you ended up in libraries that would make a lot of sense wouldn't it (laughs) um i do love books I, i don't feel like i love books any more than a lot of other people but i do i do love books and i do see I do know that there's such an importance to people reading and reading stories and and reading uh, other material, too, just to be more informed. But I went to school at Bemidji State University as an undergrad, and I knew that I wanted to get 
uh, work-study job, and somebody suggested that I just try the library. And I said, sure. <laughs> I walked into the library, and it turns out that they were hiring student workers. I got hired on the spot, pretty much. And that kind of informed... I had a lot of people there who wanted to help me succeed in school, and also they thought, thought I had an affinity for library work. So it's not something that I thought of doing as a as a kid, but just I kind of fell into it, and a lot of people wanted to help me along the way, it, it feels like. Tell me what it means to have an affinity for library work. Like, what about the work oh, sure. were you like a whiz kid at? Yeah, um, I think that there's a really <laughs> interesting combination of that detail-orientedness, and I'm not saying that that's part of the job, but like there are several aspects of the job where you need to pay really close attention to details for catalog records and things like that and where books are shelved, um, but that's just one part of it. There's also the uh, idea of being inquisitive, being curious, knowing, you know, having ideas of where you might find the answer to a certain question and, and kind of going out and beyond. I think the biggest part, draw to me is... This, this idea of kind of detective work where someone comes to you with a question and you kind of lay out the resources that you have for them and, and start digging. Uh, so there was that, that sense of you're, you're kind of solving a crime, um, trying to find an answer. It's a big mystery kind of aspect. So maybe books and libraries kind of go together with that. I would, I would, it would be interesting to see if librarians were also really big fans of mysteries as, as a genre, <laughs> I think. Um, so so I think that, that having that natural curiosity and being able to use resources to their fullest and thinking outside the box sometimes to answer people's questions. You know, I guess I never honestly thought about how similar being a journalist and being a librarian is. I've been thinking, <laughs> I've been noticing that so much in the past like five years, especially um, as the whole idea of misinformation has been coming up and fake news and things like that. And I've been seeing so many correlations between what we do and what journalists do, for sure. Now, one of the things that I know you have talked about with authors in recent time, you know, we're talking about recent times, misinformation, is book banning. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that that's something that, you know, we haven't seen much of that locally come up, but it's clearly an issue in various communities across the country. What are your thoughts on that as someone who's spent a lot of time in, in a library and working with people and probably recommending books to people that, you know, may be on those lists? Right. At an academic library, we don't see much of that at all. But we make sure that we have policies in case that comes up. We follow pretty strictly the American Library Association's guidelines for uh, when somebody wants to challenge a book. So we'll re refer to them for policy. But I... I don't want to say that I'm fortunate because we don't have to deal with that in, at the university library level, but um, I definitely have a lot of sympathy and I get really angry when I hear about public and school teacher librarians um, being forced out of jobs, being harassed, being verbally attacked, death threats and whatnot, just because they're trying to provide books to, to children and to people. So one of the interesting things that's been happening lately is I've been talking with some authors whose works have some t have been um, banned. The topic of banned books has kind of come up organically in some of the authors that I've talked to recently, like Ruta Sapetis. I talked with her recently, and that'll be an interview coming up, and, and she had some pretty strong words to say about why book banning is can have such a bad effect for us as a country. And um, science fiction fantasy author... 
um, TJ Clune. I talked to him recently, and um, I didn't think our conversation was going to go on this angle, but we kind of got into a question about book banning, and he had very he had a lot to say about it and really good points, and and it was clear he felt very passionately about it. So authors are really not um, happy with with this development, and and so it's something to definitely keep an eye on, and and it's not going to do us good as a society to keep on trying to to ban books. So obviously a big part of this job is reading, right. <laughs> not just talking to authors, right. but having to read these books uh, before so you're aware of what you're going to mm-hmm. talk to them about. And just, you know, I'm sure for fun to uh, be more knowledgeable about the book world. Tell me about some of the books recently that you personally have just really enjoyed. Oh, that's not related to interviews that I've done? Yeah, like <laughs> just ones that, you know, you would you would sure. recommend if someone asked you. So this is really sad because I can't tell anybody what books I've just read without consulting my Goodreads list. (laughs) My memory is so bad about this, so that's what I'm doing right now here. You know, I always start, it's so funny, if you were to look at my Goodreads profile, there would be like every January for the last like six years would have like entries on it. Because I always start the year like, I'm going to read so many books this year and I'm going to keep track of them. And then, (laughs) no. And then it fades. Not that I'm not reading in that time. I just, I lose my gusto of like tracking and trying to meet my goals and all of that on Goodreads. (laughs) Well, a lot of my reading is for books that we're going to be interviewing the author for. One book that I read off of the recommendation of my friend Jack is uh, Everett Percival's Telephone. And Everett Percival is a really interesting writer. He's got um, he's got this really great style, and he writes about important things, but not in a way where they're really at the forefront. And so um, Telephone is is really interesting. It's about a dad who's who's a geologist at a uni- and he teaches at a university and he's reflecting back on his daughter dying and uh, what that does to his marriage and then uh, there's some interesting like insider things that happen with faculty at a university so working at at Bemidji State I saw some interesting um some of that was pretty interesting and kind of funny for me to read the rest of the story is him going off on this kind of vision quest to save a woman who had been sewing a note into some items he'd been buying off of eBay, which sounds, that sounds crazy, right? But it leads to a kind of an interesting departure from from the story of him and grieving his daughter and his kind of marriage kind of on the rocks. So it, it sounds, I don't know if I'm explaining this really well, but I thought it was a really good book. It was called Telephone by Percival Everett. Percival Everett. What yeah. a great name that yeah, is. Yeah. If you had any genre of book in front of you, which would you pick up first? Oh, so my genre is definitely more of the fantasy uh, genre, but I I like the how authors can pull in more of a realism into into that genre. So, so I guess that would include like um, magical realism, fantasy. Those are the books I think that I I'm more happy reading. But I have a really wide interest in a lot of things because I'm always I'm I, I have my to be read list on Goodreads and it's full of all kinds of books of different genres. So, 
So I have a wide variety, but I think um, I heard uh, an author say this the other day, he, that they're happiest reading in, in a particular genre. And for me, that's kind of more that fantasy genre. You had a recent conversation with David Mira, a Minnesota writer, and his book talks about the concept of white narratives in in not just fiction, but also historical narratives. And it was a very interesting conversation mm-hmm. that we had on KXE, KBXE. And I'm wondering, you know, what, what stuck out to me was that how, as a white woman, I myself hadn't noticed sometimes that white authors don't necessarily point out that a character is white, um, but yet characters of color are often pointed out Mm -hmm. in that way. I'm curious if that, if his book or talking to his conversation has, you know, kind of made you look at books in a new light. It certainly has made me look at books in a new light. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's actually something that I've been thinking about more in the past uh, three years or so, just um, as racial tensions have been rising across the country. And I did, at one point I did ask myself, like, as somebody who introduces books and kind of gives a summary of books, you know, on the radio, how am I representing that book? And how how far do I need to go uh, in doing that to make sure that the right message is getting across? So I don't have an answer really for how I should be handling things here. Um, but his book really hit on something that I have been thinking a lot about. So it was really timely for me. And he brought up a lot of really interesting points that I think are valid and something that just deserves to be thought about a little bit more. On today's episode, Tammy, we're going to be talking, we're going to be changing gears a little bit from more serious topics and talking about a romance novel. Yeah, yeah. Emily Henry's new romance is happy place and um it is if you are looking for something that it's going to make you happy that you want to read pretty quickly just something you can just sit down and kind of devour um i guess that's what they call beach reads or a good summer beach read happy place is probably a really good book for you now i did listen to your conversation with emily and you know, just the scenario that she came up with. I, <laughs> I, I, what, what interested me kind of about your conversation, though, was the, talking about rom-coms and mm-hmm. like the difference between the sensibilities of a rom-com and a, and a romance novel. I, I'm curious what your reaction was to that. Personally, for me, um, talking about romance books is hard because I don't, I don't know that there's much, and this is going to sound bad, I, I don't know that there's a whole lot to ask or say about it. So I was really glad that she brought up the idea of how she draws from rom-com movies because that's an interesting parallel of writing a romance novel these days based on rom-com novels. And I think that reading a story, reading a novel, there is something really cinematic to it these days because, one, they're they're options so quickly, uh, even before they're published, for movies, even if the movie doesn't ever get made. And uh, two, because, you know, popular uh, rom-coms are such a part of popular culture, too. So the two, the, the relationship between the two is, is really interesting. And I was, I was, it was interesting that Emily Henry did say that that's kind of how she envisions her novels when she writes them. Here is Tammy's recent conversation with Emily Henry on her book, Happy Place.
Emily Henry is the New York Times bestselling romance author of People We Meet on Vacation and Beach Read. In her new book, Happy Place, Harriet and Wynne broke up months ago, but agree to pretend to still be together for their annual week-long vacation with their best friends. Can they fake it, or are they really still just in love with each other? We start our conversation with Emily Henry by asking about romance or other books she grew up reading that helped inform the writer she is now. So no, I was not a romance fan. I loved romantic comedy movies growing up, and I always loved the romance subplot in anything I was reading, but I had never read a true romance novel. I mean, I guess if you consider like Jane Austen, which I would, but so yeah, I read I read Jane Austen and and that sort of thing growing up. And I, you know, loved the, the love story and Anne of Green Gables and everything I was reading. It was like, I loved that love story, but I didn't really become a romance reader until after I had written a romance novel, weirdly. I wrote Beach Read in, I think, um, 2017, in like the spring or summer of 2017. And I was kind of modeling it more after romantic comedy movies. And then... I wrote it like just kind of like as this joyful thing for myself, just like this will be a good time. And uh, when I was done with it, it was like I I didn't plan to publish it, but I became a romance reader out of it. Basically, I was like, that felt really good to spend a few months working on this. And now I'm going to read romance novels. And they were just the perfect escape from a very bleak timeline. And I fell in love with the genre at that point. So like I said, like, I feel like there were books I was reading growing up that probably did influence my love of a love story. I think the all of the Jane Austen novels are high on that list. But really, I was so much more of like a fantasy and sci-fi reader growing up. I loved Madeline Langle's Wrinkle in Time series. And yeah, just the best, just the pinnacle. Um, and Lois Lowry's The Giver. Yeah, things that just kind of slanted off of the real world were more what I was drawn to. Um, what you say about like rom-coms, the movies how you style it after those romance novels obviously came before movies, but just, I wonder if one has a bigger effect on the other. Yeah, no, that's all. It's all super interesting to think about because they have felt like sort of separate things and each has its own sensibilities. And of course, within romance in fiction, there's like historical romance and contemporary romance. And there's sort of like dark romance um, and erotica and all of that. And everything is slightly different. And then, romantic comedy films have more they just have like a very distinct sensibility and I think maybe now there's more uh, novelists who are kind of adopting that sensibility in in their work but it's also really interesting because we're seeing this huge boom in romance sales everybody's reading it it's like selling better than ever and then Hollywood is like a little bit behind where they're kind of trying to catch up but uh you know, there it's just it's not really happening over there so far. So it's really intriguing to see this is definitely the kind of story people want, but we're really only seeing it happen on this level in books. And I will ask you about your book in a minute, but you you just brought this really good point up is that sales of the romance genre are really huge right now. What do you attribute that to? A couple different things. First, I think that the world has felt really scary and unpredictable for a long time, <laughs> but especially I think the last few years, it's just been really uh, tumultuous for almost everyone. 
And there's some comfort in reading in this genre where things will go wrong, people will get hurt. There might be some real, real, real world issues that the author is dealing with, but you know that you at least have the guarantee of the happily ever after for the love story. There's, there's comfort in that. And when you feel really anxious or really depressed, it's really nice to be able to read something that feels um, overall hopeful and still, I think, very immersive and compelling. So I think that's part of it. And the other part, I think, is that Gen Z has has shifted so much um, from like even millennials. Like I feel like when I was growing up, it was like romance was something that you had to read secretly. Like you, you know, <laughs> have it under your pillow, whatever. And it's kind of a, anyone who reads it kind of gets mocked, and there's just this huge stigma and kind of condescension about the genre and I feel like Gen Z just like I don't know if they just didn't inherit it or if they just purposefully were like no that's stupid I like this thing why would I pretend not to like this thing there's nothing wrong with liking this thing and it's not innately embarrassing to love reading about love I I think about like the Marvel movies and it's like those really are just about friendships basically like that's (laughs) what makes them do so well is people want to see Robert Downey Jr. be like a stern sardonic father figure to Tom Holland like that's what people are actually going for and I think that's why like DC has kind of floundered comparatively because it's like not as heartwarming whatever so I feel like it's weird because we're like we're not comfortable just centering relationships as much but I think Gen Z is like well I love reading about love why would I not that's a great attitude to have for just about anything that you really enjoy right no no shame yeah We're talking with writer Emily Henry here on What We're Reading on Northern Community Radio. I'm Tammy Bobrowski. Emily's new novel is called Happy Place. So getting into the story of Happy Place, on any other occasion, a week at a beautiful beach cottage in Maine sounds wonderful. Friends, food, and fun. But your characters, Wynn and Harriet, have a really big secret to keep. They've been broken up for a couple of months, and they haven't told their closest friends yet. So how did you come up with this really uh, promising premise of of some some interesting moments that are bound to happen? There were two different uh, entry points to the story, really. I mean, there are a lot more, but the two, the first two that come to mind are um, that I had this premise that, that was just a couple pretending to, like... a a couple's trip and then two people who are pretending to be a couple and everyone else is an actual couple. And I didn't know at first if I wanted it to be like these two friends who are pretending to be a couple so that they can join this trip that their friends all go on. And, you know, they feel like that's annoying that you don't invite us just because we don't Mm -hmm. have partners or if, if it would be a couple who was no longer a couple. And then I started watching a lot of old comedy of remarriage movies from the forties. And I just like love them. They're so ridiculous and absurd and fun and screwball and I thought okay I want to take my my attempt at that I want to see what happens if I try to write a book about a couple who has already fallen in love fallen out of love and or split up and then find their way back to each other so that was really the the genesis of it something you've said it really stuck with me I'll quote it here I'm always writing coming of age stories and this one is very much about that particular moment of transformation when a relationship of any kind has to either grow up or let go. And that is such a pivotal moment in one's life, in one's relationship with either a a romantic person or their friends even. So can you talk a little bit about 
that moment of transformation and what are the couple different ways that that can go and what can you learn about yourself from that? Like you said, I really am always trying to write coming of age stories. And I think there's always something happening in your life that forces you to grow or confront a piece of yourself and decide what to keep and what to move on from. But I think specifically getting further into my 30s, I have a lot of friends who are in very different places in life. And I mean that like career wise, romantic relationship wise, like family planning wise, I have friends who are, um, have been married for like a decade. And I have friends who have kids, friends who are divorcees or remarried and friends who like have been doing the same career for 15 years. And then friends who were like, maybe I'm going to go back to school. What am I doing? And it's so interesting how for the first time in life, I think in your thirties, your friendships have very little basis in convenience. It's not like, oh, we all live in the same neighborhood or we all go to the same college. Um, it's so much more like it has to be so much more intentional and and you and you might not like even doing the same things because it's like, you know, the last few years, it's like a lot of people um, still love going to bars and a lot of people are like over that and have given up drinking entirely. It's just like this. It's this interesting moment where you find out how much of your friendships are built on just like similarities and how much of it is built on just like a willingness to be a part of their life, regardless of if it looks like your life or not. And I find that really interesting. I think it's, it's scary. Like I remember the first time that a close friend of mine told everyone that she was pregnant, everybody's reactions were sort of like, we're so excited. And then like, what does this mean? what does this mean for us? Yeah. Um, never mind for her. Like, <laughs> and I found that really interesting. The idea that all these people could be within a few years at the same age and be in very different points on all of their journeys and the pressure that you can feel from that too, when you're looking around at everyone and it seems like they all are quote unquote further along than you when really we're all just kind of living different lives and it's okay to to have different priorities and uh, for things to happen in a different order for you than they would for someone else. Emily Henry's new book is called Happy Place. Thanks for listening to the Between You and Me podcast on KAXE made possible by the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund and the citizens of Minnesota, with music by Sam Milton. Mm -hmm.